1: Weirdos, Welcome back to episode 118 of History for Weirdos.
0: We are, as always, very excited to regale you with a weird history tale.
1: I know. This is honestly, even if I'm tired, this is like one of my favorite times of the week because mm. we get to tell you guys a story and... You know, Steph, like you're telling me a story this week, so yes. I'm doubly excited yeah. right now. And before we get into this week's story, um, we just wanted to tell you guys a couple quick things about our trip that we recently took to the Getty Villa, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's oh, really yeah. it's a very cool place. It was built originally in the 70s and then was remodeled uh, in the early 2000s, but it is a faithful reconstruction of a first century era roman villa Mm -hmm. that was destroyed in 79 by the eruption of mount vesuvius yeah and not only that so it's in malibu it overlooks the ocean yeah and um it houses like one of the largest sets of antiquities in the entire world
0: it's really cool if you are in la and you haven't been you must go and if you're visiting la it's definitely a must see
1: absolutely i mean it is so beautiful and if you're an ancient history nerd like myself, mm-hmm. uh, it's basically Disneyland.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's so beautiful. There, You could just like, you can have lunch there, you can sit and look at the ocean. It's, it's honestly so gorgeous. And while we were there, we went with my old professor, uh, Robert Graval, who's a classics professor, an expert in this stuff. So it was really cool. It was like getting kind of like a private inside scoop on a lot of the displays. A lot of the um, statues and art pieces, and we saw the Egyptian Book of the Dead.
1: We did. That was really neat. Which was I mean, incredible. This is this was written. I mean, we saw Bronze Age manuscripts like mm-hmm. on display. Like this, it was incredible. Um, the Egyptian the Egyptian artifacts alone were yeah. insane. There was like a full blown uh, sarcophagus, and then mm-hmm. also, I mean, we were. I was. My face was inches away from a Roman era mummy actually yes, Egyptian that's money, right. but mm-hmm. from the Roman era yeah pretty it was pretty amazing
0: it's so cool we we can't recommend it enough obviously the Getty Villa doesn't know we exist this isn't sponsored by any means we just love this place it's one of our both of our favorite places in Los Angeles right
1: probably in the entire world <laughs>
0: yeah it's gorgeous definitely check it out we thought of the weirdos the whole time we were there of course
1: yeah um, and also already posted on Instagram um, a giant Roman Eagle. I mean, this things like five feet tall yes. that came from, I think one of, one of their temples. I'm not actually not even 100% sure of the backstory, but I'm just like in front of it. Cause it's represents two of my favorite things like birds and ancient Rome.
0: Those yeah. are two of your passions. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. This is
1: why we're history for weirdos.
0: Mm-hmm. So we did that, which was, I obviously love antiquities as well, but a little bit, maybe more in Andrew's world. And then this weekend, we also started a TV show that we thought you all would like, which is a little bit more in my world. Yes. Because it takes place in the 1880s in London. It's a PBS show. We're a little late to the game because it's already on its fourth season. But it's a PBS show called Miss Scarlet and the Duke. And it's really good. It's like um, a murder mystery show. It's a woman in London, Eliza, who is trying to... Be a detective and own her own business, but of course no one thinks she can do it because she's a woman.
1: She's a woman. Women aren't allowed to be private detectives. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's basically everyone, everyone. The reaction to her. It's really um interesting and charming, and I just think a lot of the weirdos would appreciate it. There's some weird cases that she works on, for sure.
1: She's definitely a weirdo. She's an OG weirdo for sure. Yeah. She's a I agree. trailblazer, I think, in her own right. So <laughs> That's and also it's interesting. I mean, this weekend alone, right? We have ancient history boy here, like Victorian girly here. <laughs> oh my <and> we, gosh! <laughs> so we both like satisfied like our like ain't or like history nerd or history urges this weekend.
0: Yes, yes. And now we get to record an episode for you all, so it's a perfect weekend.
1: It's a perfect weekend. Okay, Steph. Enough like bombarding the weirdos with our weirdness from this weekend (laughs) tell us what is this this story about
0: i'm actually just gonna jump right into the story i love it i'm not gonna give you any prelude okay
1: perfect let's just jump right in
0: so come with me to france in 1933 on thursday february 2nd in the tranquil town of le mans it's spelled Le Mans, though, for you, babe. (laughs)
1: Thank you for that.
0: Le Mans, France, where Monsieur René Lancelot, a retired lawyer, is supposed to meet his wife, Madame Leonie, and their adult daughter, their 27-year-old daughter, Genevieve, for dinner at the home of a family friend, right? Okay. His son-in-law arrives at the dinner party as well, but he hasn't heard or seen Madame Leonie or Genevieve either. Okay. And the dinner party begins, and these two women never arrive, which is odd. So concerned, Mr. Lancelin returned to his residence with his son-in-law at about 7 p.m., where they discovered the house was totally dark, except for a single light flickering in the distance in one of the rooms. And even weirder, the front door was bolted shut from the inside, and they couldn't get in. Okay naturally the two men found this suspicious and they went to a local police station for help right together with the police they returned to the Lancelot home where the cops are able to kind of like force their way in and they ask the two men please stay outside while we figure out what's happened here
1: that sounds like normal procedure so yeah. far
0: andrew at this point what are you thinking what are you thinking if you were mr Lancelot, what do you think has happened
1: Honestly, I'm kind of shocked. I have no freaking idea where this is going right now. I, I'm thinking that someone's dead.
0: Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> confused, but it's ominous, right?
1: Very ominous. I'd be really kind of creeped out right now.
0: I'd say so. At the very least, creeped out. Well, it gets pretty bad. once in- Lovely. <laughs> once inside the residence, the police at the scene never forget what they saw at Number six, Rue Bruyere Street. This street would become infamous. This home would become infamous. They discovered a gruesome scene where Madame Lancelin, um, or Madame Leonie, the wife, and her daughter Genevieve's bodies were found. They had been bludgeoned and stabbed to the point of being unrecognizable.
1: Oh my goodness. So just brutal murder.
0: Brutal, brutal murder um they only knew it was those two women because those were the two women they were looking for that belonged to this residence right right otherwise their faces were completely disfigured and in addition to the brutal wounds madame lancelon's eyes had been gouged out and they were found in the folds of the scarf around her neck and one of genevieve's eyes was found under her body and her other eye was found on the stairs at the end of the hallway
1: this is really, even by today's standards, this is really, really gruesome. I mean, this is personal. There's some, there's hatred involved Mm -hmm. in this. This is not like a, just a home invasion gone wrong. This is personal.
0: Yeah. I, I think you have a really good assessment of also just how shocking this would have been to anyone in the 1930s. Right. To walk into in a time where they weren't as aware of these kinds of violent crimes like we are today, right? They don't have uh, Netflix documentaries and true crime podcasts to listen to. This would have been very shocking to come across, even as a police officer. Absolutely. Then the police notice that upstairs there is a light, that light that the two men saw earlier coming from uh, the servants' quarters. Thinking that the two live-in maids, Christine and Leah Papin, had met the same horrific fate the policemen go upstairs to open the door to their room and they're obviously already horrified and disgusted they're really afraid of what they're gonna find but they can't open the door
1: is it locked from the inside
0: it's locked they start banging on the door there's no response they note that the house is eerily quiet at this point so they sent for a locksmith who thankfully was able to open the door and when they stepped in to the room they find Christine and Leah in bed together in their robes with a bloody hammer sitting next to them on a chair the two women appeared unharmed themselves and as soon as they're asked what's happened they confess to the killings
1: I I I what? I I don't even know what to say. This is very, so they just lock themselves in. They're like dead quiet. Yeah. Like as they're banging on the door.
0: This whole time they're silent.
1: Are they just in some sort of fugue state or like?
0: It's very bizarre behavior. That's for sure. Insanely
1: bizarre. And and I'm so, I'm so sorry. This is the the maid of the house and and who else?
0: The two live in maids and so, they happen to be sisters.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'll get into them a little bit more. Christine is 27 years old and Leah is 21. They had been working for the Lancelot family for about seven years at this point, and they lived there. And initially similar to your reaction, no one could wrap their minds around what had happened, why this had happened and how two young women in particular could have committed such a brutal crime.
1: I don't know what to say. I mean, this is like, this is insane. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm sure you're going to get into it, but immediately I have no idea about the story, right? I have zero backstory, but mm-hmm. I'm almost thinking that they're being set up and told to shut up. And mm. Someone else did the deed and they're just like, I'm going to kill you if you don't mm. play along with this. Then again, I have no idea what's going on.
0: Mm -hmm. But you're thinking it's so bizarre. There's no way they did this.
1: Unless they were harmed in some way that Mm. they were tortured and they were just driven to madness and then they snapped.
0: It's interesting.
1: Those are my two hypotheses so far.
0: Yeah. Well, we are going to get into the details of what went on here. Okay. So the autopsies did reveal that the victims had been bludgeoned and stabbed multiple times to the point of overkill like quite literal use of the word right? right pointing to a frenzied and unnecessarily long attack prolonged past the point of the two being deceased so the ferocity of the assault obviously left the bodies disfigured and it really made people question what is the mental state of the perpetrators at this point like what drives someone to do something like that
1: Right. I mean, that is like, that's deep-seated hatred. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it could, it could be those women, right? Because they were tortured. I don't know. Like, I, I don't see any other way unless it was someone else pinning it on them. Hmm. I, I, those seem to be the two most likely. The only two things I can even think of, honestly.
0: Yeah. It's a very strange situation. It's a very infamous case.
1: And who, remind me again, who were the, the the dead folks?
0: That's Madame Leonie and her daughter Genevieve.
1: Okay, so do we know how old Genevieve was?
0: 27. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old Madame Leonie was exactly, um, but I can only imagine how horrified um, Mr. Lancelon and his son-in-law felt in that moment. So... Overnight, the Papin sisters, Christine and Léa Papin, they become, like, overnight sensations in the worst way possible, right? They make headlines, um, according to French newspapers, they are citing this as the crime of the century.
1: Oh, I would just hate to be involved in any way in what would be known as a crime of the century you're the perpetrator or you're the victim. It's not good.
0: It's not good. You don't want to be associated with the crime of the century. I completely agree. Yeah.
1: I'll pass. (laughs) We'll pass on that one. I'll pass on that one.
0: And of course, because this is so shocking and bizarre, the rumor mills immediately start churning and people start publishing kind of like sensationalized details about the sisters. um, Some true, some not true. A very prevalent rumor, or not even a full rumor, but a prevalent insinuation at the time, was that the sisters had an incestuous relationship. Oh my God. Due to the fact that they were discovered sharing a single bed. And as we will see, they are very close and very insular in their relationship. But to my knowledge, there wasn't ever evidence to um, support that claim necessarily. It is something that people are talking about, though. And I truly cannot stress enough how scandalous this case was. People could not fathom such a violent crime in a quote-unquote normal upper-class home, especially not one committed by women.
1: Right. I mean, especially something so brutal. Mm -hmm. Like if, I mean, again, this is just so, this is stereotypical and even maybe slightly sexist. So, but when you think of, you know, especially in the past, like murders done by women, it's like statistically, at least from my point of view, like, more subter, more s- like subtle. Excuse me. Uh, like mm-hmm. poison, for example. Yeah, is th- a big one.
0: I think the stats would align with that.
1: Right. I mean, especially you know, I mean, we went over Lacusta just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it and that was very much so like part and parcel of the ancient world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, again, like it was seen as a woman's you know weapon, weapon mm-hmm. right? Poison, and so. Again, that's what I would think of even now in the 19th century and during this time.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's probably what most people who are hearing about this case or even working on this case would be thinking as well.
1: I'm sorry, twentieth early 20th century.
0: Yeah. No, no, you're right, though. So to better understand what happened in the Lancelot home on February 2nd, 1933, I think we need to go back. And understand more about the Papin sisters and how they grew up.
1: Yes, I think that would shed a lot of light here.
0: Mm -hmm. So we're gonna go back. Christine was born on March 8th, 1905, and Leah was born September 15th, 1911. They were both born in Le Mans, the town where this crime took place, Mm -hmm. to Clemence and Gustave Papin. So. Let's talk a little bit about them.
1: Oh, yeah. While Let's go.
0: Clemence was dating Gustave, it was rumored that she was actually having an affair with her employer. Oh, boy. And then she gets pregnant. And Gustave marries her in October of 1901. And five months later, her first daughter, Amelia, is born.
1: So, yeah, we don't know.
0: You don't know who the father is at this point. But Gustave is the one who chose to marry her. But then after... Suspecting that Clemence was still having an affair with her employer, Gustave found a new job in another city and announced that the family would move. And Clemence declared that she would rather take her own life than leave. As we can imagine, the marriage deteriorated after that.
1: i not surprised.
0: Mm-hmm. Gustave was known to drink very heavily and there was a lot of discord in the home. Unsurprisingly, Christine and Leah's parents eventually separate when the two girls are young. Their father, Gustave, just completely abandons the family. He's out of the picture from here on out. Uh, they're left in the care of their mother, Clemence, and they really struggled, obviously, having a single mom. Economically, they, this is a very, very poor family, and there's a lot of chaos defining their early childhood. The sisters are eventually placed in an orphanage, which could have left them feeling abandoned and isolated, right? Reports of people who knew them while in the orphanage suggest that Christine and Leah formed an exceptionally close and insular bond during this period, finding solace in each other as they navigated the challenges of being in an orphanage.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. You cling to each other. Their yeah, family.
1: They're literally, like you would say, trauma bonded.
0: Mm. Their older sister, Amelia, she was also placed in the orphanage, but she is older. And when she ages out, um, she ends up joining a convent and becoming a nun in about 1918. Wow. And as far as we know, she lives there for the remainder of her life and does not have any further contact with her family whoa yeah
1: did not see that coming isn't
0: that interesting
1: jeez this is this story so far is just left turn after left turn
0: i think that reaction in and of itself of i'm gonna join a convent like some sort of sanctuary space and i'm going to permanently separate myself myself from you all is such a sign of how traumatic and difficult that family dynamic must have been
1: that's spot on analysis. I completely agree. It sounds like she just wants some solace. She just wants like a no, like some semblance of normalcy.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And like from this just utter chaos.
0: Mm-hmm. So then going back to the two sisters that we will be discussing. While at the orphanage, Christine was reportedly described as being hardworking, a good cook, but she could also be quote unquote insubordinate
1: she's a little bit of a rebel you could say
0: yeah leia on the other hand the younger sister was described as quiet introverted and very obedient both learned a variety of household duties preparing them for future jobs as maids right and once they age out of the orphanage they don't join a convent they do get jobs as maids and they work in various homes around town and they always prefer to work together whenever possible. They kind of pitch themselves as a package deal. Oh, you know what? It kind of reminds me of Mm.
1: those dogs that you see at like (laughs) the shelters that are like,
0: you know, bonded pair, they're a
1: bonded pair. And Mm -hmm. you know, you typically don't want to separate them. It's kind of like my parents' dogs.
0: Yeah. Lily and jazz. Yeah. Yeah. They're a bonded pair because especially when you've been through so much, it makes sense that like just having your family member there, can bring so much comfort, your sibling, right? Right. Yeah. Well, in 1926, Christine and Leia find permanent positions as live in maids at number six rue Bruyere in Le Mans, France, with the Lancelot family. Oof.
1: We know what's going to happen here.
0: Yep. By outside accounts from the neighbors, so also the upper class homeowners in this neighborhood the family treated them well. They were allowed to eat the same food as the family. They lived in a heated room. Okay, that's some luxury right there. And they were even paid the standard wage of the time.
1: So they're paid fair wages? Oh my goodness, that is very luxurious.
0: (laughs) I think it tells you definitely what the mindset was of the upper class that they were like, these women would have had nothing to complain about. They were allowed to eat the food. They had a heated room. They were paid the minimum wage. A little bit out of touch.
1: Just slightly out of touch. And also, like this is the best picture that is painted, I'm guessing, of like their treatment. So, which to us doesn't sound that great to be honest. So it sounds like the bare minimum. The reality is that it's probably much worse.
0: It's probably harsher. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? What are you already crushing? Think opposite of New Year, New You. Around New Years, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing well. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another, or maybe you're t- taking your supplements every morning and you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strength so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I've personally used therapy and it's really helped me work through problems that I didn't have immediate answers to. Having someone that's licensed and is an actual professional help walk you through problems can really help you move into the next stage of your life or just make things even better. Now, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com/hfw today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp. H E L P. Dot com slash HFW like history for weirdos.
0: So as I mentioned, the sisters confess pretty quickly, right? Right. After the murders, they're arrested and they're kept apart for eight months before the case even goes to trial
1: oh my god it took eight months just to bring it like that high profile of a murder case Mm -hmm. that's insane
0: that's the government for you
1: i know it's the (laughs) french government yeah it's even worse than ours
0: they're taking their leisurely time (laughs) processing this case
1: i know to like the 10 french people that listen to our (laughs) podcast i'm sorry
0: we're so sorry (laughs) so this separation as you can imagine would be really difficult for them but it had a worse effect on christine the older sister than on leia Christine became depressed, um, discussed thoughts of wanting to take her life. And as a result, they end up restraining her in a straitjacket for a period of time. Man. And even so, both sisters are declared mentally fit to stand trial. So I'm going to now, before we get into the trial, I'm going to give you they're the sisters account of what happened
1: okay this is very interesting let's hear it
0: it's interesting and if you haven't guessed already weirdos this is a more gruesome episode so this
1: might be like the most gruesome episode i think we've gone over so far
0: even more so than lizzie borden
1: oh lizzie borden was up there okay this is easily top five
0: i think this one might be more gruesome actually yeah i
1: mean it sounds like it yeah like blunt force trauma to like an absurd level Mm -hmm. that's going to be gruesome
0: so before the crime the day of the crime the two women christine and leia shared that they reportedly worked 12 to 14 hours a day and would get half a day off per week
1: wow that's really nice (laughs) that's great treatment of your your workers
0: they should be grateful okay
1: i I don't know what they're talking about
0: yep their boss, well, they apparently never spoke to, I think this is weird and I didn't even write it in my notes. They apparently never spoke to um, Monsieur Lancelot, the man of the house. They never were allowed to speak to him.
1: Very strange. Very
0: strange to have two people living in your home that you don't speak to.
1: That's really weird.
0: Yeah. And Madame Lancelot was essentially their boss, right? She's their their point of contact, I guess. And she routinely wore white gloves to walk around and like kind of spontaneously test the furniture to see if they were doing a good job.
1: But she's treating them so well.
0: Yeah, they have a heated room. (laughs) (laughs) And she also apparently rarely spoke to the women directly. She preferred to instead hand them a note with her critiques of their work. So say she does the white glove test she would probably hand one of them a note being like the couch is dusty instead of talking to them directly.
1: That is so strange.
0: Very strange. Yeah. On the day of the murders, it was a dark and raining heavily because of course it was.
1: (laughs) I'm loving the scene setting here.
0: (laughs) And after a shopping trip, the mother and daughter were supposed to go directly to that dinner party right where they were going to meet their respective husbands so the sisters christine and leia didn't expect anyone from the family home until late in the evening right the two siblings um continued with their errands their chores one thing they had to do that day was pick up their iron because it had broken so they went to go pick it up from the repair shop they come back they plug it in or you know they try to turn it on heat it up and it does not work again. So they're like, oh shoot. So they're like, we'll wait until morning to like go back to the repair shop and be like, what is this? Mm-hmm. um and they're like, it's not a big deal. The bosses aren't going to be home until late. They won't even notice. Right. But Leonie, the mom, the head of the home, and Genevieve return home unexpectedly. They like stop off at the house before going to the dinner party. And according to Christine, when the mistress of the house was told that the iron was broken again and that the lights were out in the home, the electricity, she was extremely angry and she attempted to hit Christine. And Christine said, quote, so I leapt at her face and tore her eyes out with my fingers, end quote.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Very extreme reaction.
1: And I would say so, yes.
0: As Miss Leonie's daughter, Genevieve, rushes over to stop her. Leia jumps on Genevieve and then also begins to tear her eyes out.
1: Man, the- that's rage right there. That's like just deep-seated hatred and rage.
0: This is the sister's account, right? There's only four people who could have told us what happened. Two are deceased. This is them confessing.
1: They're just straight up like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. Yeah.
0: I tore her eyes out. So after the eyes had been gouged, the women were kneeling on the floor, obviously probably in extreme pain, uh, helpless, and Christine rushes down to the kitchen to grab a hammer and a knife. The sisters strike the women repeatedly with these two instruments, as well as a pewter pot that sat nearby. My
1: God, so they use multiple weapons?
0: Multiple weapons. This is like, this is insane. It is It really is. Uh, There's obviously more details there, but I didn't feel the need to include them. Fair enough. It's a very gruesome murder. Double homicide. So when they're finished, Christine goes and bolts the front door of the house, which is why it was bolted shut. And the sisters go and clean themselves. They light a candle in their room and they said that they got into bed to wait for the inevitable. They knew they were going to be caught. They knew they were going to confess. They just decided to wait. So Christine mentions, she's like, this was not planned. And she says that she had no hatred towards her mistress or her mistress's daughter.
1: Okay. I disagree. I'm not going to just tear out, you know, someone's eyes that (laughs) I, you know, have no ill will towards.
0: I know. And she also says, "I, I don't have any regret because she saw this as an act of self-defense from getting hit. Isn't that odd? Andrew, what do you think? Does this the sound math, like self-defense?
1: No, the math ain't mathin. I agree. like there's, this is just very fishy. There's just something not that's just not being told.
0: Exactly. Exactly. What a lot of people thought I I'll share the source later. I can't recall the name of it. Um, The only source that I saw, though, that really entertained this theory was a documentary that I watched. I'll share the name at the end of it. And the documentary entertains the theory that the sisters were having an incestuous relationship with one of the um, French officials interviewed. It's like a kind of like a crime historian person Mm -hmm. that's interviewed in the documentary saying that he thinks what may have happened is since the sisters thought the family wasn't going to be home until late, they may have been caught in a compromising situation and then reacted that way.
1: But, I mean, I I get, like, how that could happen. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, like, what evidence? Is it just hearsay?
0: I think it's just the, what others reported to be the odd closeness of the sisters kind of like codependence not closeness codependence um, lots of just like intimate behavior in the way they interacted and spoke with each other and there again this person the crime historian whose name I can't recall was trying to ascertain like what would actually be motive for reacting like that and he notes that in the 1930s in France, like a predominantly Catholic country, especially one of the worst things that could happen is being not only outed as a lesbian, but incest, a relationship with your sister. Like could have been worse than death.
1: So you get the double whammy here, like an incestuous homosexual, homosexual relationship mm-hmm. with women.
0: Yeah, that's that was like one that was his theory and again that is what the press at the time was insinuating but to my knowledge like to the research that i did and, and maybe there's something i missed but outside of the documentary i really didn't see any other sources they may, would maybe acknowledge that that's what people thought but i didn't see any evidence where like the sisters said something or other people who had known them growing up said something like
1: Right. So this is just like a theory. It's almost I don't like it because you're just trying or this this guy, not you, is trying to plug a hole and he's really grasping yeah. at straws here. Yeah. It's a it's it is 100% sounding like a theory and not even like backed up by any evidence. Like I mean, yeah. it's possible, right? I'm not saying it's not possible, but there's probably another like half dozen other likely Things explanations. that could have been
0: similar, yeah, we're- Right.
1: I, maybe they're caught stealing, mm-hmm. you know, like that could, and like, maybe they were treated poorly, you know, from I don't know, the last couple of weeks. And so they kind of, you know, boiled it into one point of yeah. doing all of this brutality.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, I agree with you that the, any theory is trying to kind of like plug a hole and it is very difficult to do that when I think the. Severity of the crime really leads you to think this person wasn't in their right mind. So, 100%. like, we can't use logic to try. Like, why would you do this? I don't think there's a logical answer.
1: See, no, that you. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, um, the person being outside of their mind is not going to be employing logic that you and I are going to employ. That yeah. like the weirdos aren't going to be that yeah. will be employing. I. You know what? You said it perfectly. I don't any anything else to add to that. That's perfect.
0: Yeah, and they're also obviously not like serial killers.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Where you're like, "Oh, it's just cuz they enjoy causing harm." Like aside from this, there's no evidence of them ever being aggressive towards anyone or harmful towards anyone. They really just kept to themselves and were trying to survive. So, I really think it's going to be more of a I don't know. Uh, just a mindset that we can't comprehend, to be honest.
1: That's really good analysis.
0: Spot on. Spot <laughs> Thanks, on. Babe. So, going into their trial a little bit now, now that we've heard their account of what happened, yeah. the sister's lawyer pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Smart. <laughs> it's a wise move. Christine and Leia presented for legal proceedings, and people noted that they had really. Um, limited eye contact with anyone. Their gaze appeared kind of hazy and they just looked like they were in a daze.
1: Right? Remember earlier I said they were in, possibly in a fugue state.
0: Maybe, yeah. I'm sure this was really overwhelming.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's be real. They're not well. Like, I feel yeah. like that, that much is obvious despite mm-hmm. her insistence that they are, they're mm-hmm. not well.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. So the court appoints three doctors to administer psychological evaluations of the sisters to determine their mental state and they concluded that the two had no mental disorders and they deemed them sane and fit to stand trial but their lawyer reveals that the papa family has a history of mental illness i think they ended up having an uncle that was in an asylum and the defense brought in outside specialists to reconsider these psychological evaluations.
1: This lawyer's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like stuff that you'd see today. And this yeah. guy's really on top of his stuff.
0: Yeah, for the 1930s. Yeah. So the doctors that were brought in to reassess concluded that the Papin sister suffered from folie à deux, which is French for madness between two people. <laughs> folie à deux.
1: Is this like a common term in France, do you think, or...
0: No, but this is a very infamous, sort of loose psychological diagnosis, which I will get into.
1: Oh, Mm -hmm. it all comes together, man.
0: Yeah, so this is a psychological syndrome in which delusions and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one person, the inducer, who already has a psychotic disorder, to another person.
1: This some this literally sounds like something the CIA came up with. Ooh. Like I'm not even joking.
0: I like that. This sounds <laughs> like
1: some like nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies CIA stuff that you that like will finally be like released to the public in like twenty forty five.
0: Declassified as to how they yeah. can induce fully ado?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Interesting. So I mean
1: it literally reads like that.
0: Yeah, it does. <laughs> so the cause of the disorder is unknown, right? That's a. Re- it's just that's so unique in and of itself. Of like, essentially, if I had a more severe mental illness and I transmitted my symptoms to you, that's what this is.
1: That's wild. That that's actually insane.
0: Mm-hmm. So the cause is unknown, but the main factors that are believed to contribute to this are trauma exposure, unsurprising, prolonged stress, and social isolation. So if the the two in the folia do mm-hmm. are isolated with each other
1: right you could just get that positive feedback loop without any sort of like external stimuli
0: yeah and that deep codependence
1: right you almost get wrapped up in like a shared universe that's not shared with anyone else yeah you're kind of just really isolated you have your own little world Mm -hmm. that does not really exist within the world of anyone else
0: yes totally really cool way of putting it because there's actually throughout true crime uh, you know lore stuff that's more modern even this is a diagnosis that's brought up a few times
1: wow okay so it's not just an isolated incidence
0: it's not it's not another case that i can think of actually also involves sisters
1: very interesting yeah also i love that we're doing i guess this isn't victorian but um 1930s 1930s so still kind of like Yeah, like, this is still kind of, like, your era. I'd say, like, almost, like, 1880 to, like, the 1930s is kind of, like, your era. Plus, we're adding in true crime. Like, this is really your bread and butter here.
0: Yeah. And psychology? Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. and psychology. I I, mean, it's just, like, the coup de grace.
0: Is it weird to say that I love this? Yeah. I didn't say that. (laughs) So...
1: (laughs) Maybe you need to be in the asylum.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Eh, probably. So, don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? So, again, let me break down this disorder a little bit more. In the DSM-5, do you know what the DSM-5 is, babe?
1: The Diagnostics Statistical Manual, something like that. It diagnoses, um, you know, like mental disorders.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: You know what? I did take AP psychology in high school, so I'm basically a psychologist.
0: Moving on. <laughs>
1: I love saying that to her, guys. It pisses her (laughs) off so much. I am that husband.
0: (laughs) No, it's just he jokes about it because i worked in a couple hospitals too. And you'd always meet the doctor that's like, well, I I did a psych rotation. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's basically like me saying that. (laughs) It's like such a joke.
0: And I'm like, okay, that's nice. Um, (laughs) But for those who are listening internationally or anyone who's just interested in the field, the DSM-5 is actually only used in the United States.
1: See, that I actually didn't know.
0: Yeah, it's our U.S. manual.
1: Is there like a European manual? Is there an African manual? Like, do,
0: There's do, an international one that I'll get to as well. Got it. So in the DSM-5, Fol- folia du is not listed as a separate disorder, but it's instead classified under, and this is just how the DSM works, but it's classified under other specific schizophrenia spectrum and psychotic disorders. And it's described as, quote, delusional symptoms in the partner of an individual with a delusional disorder, end quote. So partner is used loosely. It doesn't necessarily mean romantic partner. But in the pair, there's one person who has a pre-diagnosed condition, a pre-existing mental health condition, who's able, who, not that they're trying to do this, but their symptoms are transmitted to the other person. The international equivalent of the DSM is the International Classification of Diseases, the ICD. And that, I think, is what, at the very least, other, uh, other Western countries use. I'm actually not familiar with the diagnostic criteria in Eastern or Southeastern countries. But it's essentially a system for classifying both physical and mental um, disorders or diseases. And that one, I think, is made by the WHO. The World Health Organization.
1: Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Just learning a whole bunch right now.
0: <laughs> You're going to a quick little psych lesson, everyone. Yeah,
1: there you guys go.
0: And in the ICD, the condition is referred to not as folia du, but it's referred to as, quote, shared psychotic disorder, which I think is a very straightforward way of right. explaining what's happening there. Yeah. So it seemed like Christine Papin, the older sister, May have been battling paranoid schizophrenia prior to this incident.
1: That seems very likely. Mm-hmm.
0: And this condition usually manifests itself in one's late teens or early twenties, and she was only twenty-seven, so it's possible that the symptoms were actually still fairly new for her. Um, and again, the cause for paranoid schizophrenia—it's a—it's not determined like. Oh, this causes that. It's a mixture of genetic factors as well as environmental factors. But we don't have like a specific linkage to anything, right? Lots of factors are linked with it. Nothing's clear cut. So today, with quality and consistent treatment, it's absolutely possible to live a healthy and fulfilling life with this condition or any other psychotic disorder but this is the 1930s.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that caveat that you had there. It's like, it's totally treatable today, but in the 30s, oh, absolutely
0: not. Is the 1930s the way they treat this disorder? Are you ready? Uh, (sighs) Let's hear it. Two of the frontline forms of treatment are one, hydrotherapy, which typically involved forcing someone into a freezing cold bath for hours. So
1: not hydration nation.
0: No. Not hydration nation. And chemically inducing convulsions in a patient. So before they had electroshock therapy, they would give you a bunch of drugs to induce a seizure, basically. Dude, like, what
1: the hell?
0: Both of these things could just make you worse. I know.
1: They just were really just winging it back in the day.
0: So many mental health treatments back in the day were so stressful and dehumanizing that they were traumatic in and of themselves. And that would absolutely exacerbate any mental health conditions.
1: It sounded like the cure or the, yeah, the cure was worse than the
0: actual disease. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. Yeesh. So terrible. So even if she had been diagnosed before the, the murders, it's very unlikely she would have gotten any help and this would have been very stigmatized. Stunning. And I just want to say this is therapist Stephanie. I have to say this that while Here she comes. <laughs> while untreated psychotic symptoms can be associated with aggression, I want to be really clear that just because someone's experiencing psychosis does not mean they are inherently violent. Not at all. That's not the case. The the most dangerous things about psychosis are stigma and lack of access to healthcare because those are barriers to treatment and that's what's the most harmful here.
1: Yep, this is is therapist Stephanie. Just wanted to say. But you do bring up good points as well um, in that like there's no way these people can get better. The sisters, they're just kind of screwed in a way.
0: They've been through, probably, honestly, the information we have. Again, it's the 1930s. Even today, you see that when there's familial trauma, people cover it up, right? It's People feel shame. People don't want to share those things. I think they went through a lot, and that doesn't excuse anything, but I think it contextualizes their mental state and how the folia do... Phenomena was even possible. Yeah. So getting back to the trial during the trial, it's really sad and sweet. The sisters protect each other, giving testimony. Each one argues that they were the sole murderer.
1: Like the I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. Mm -hmm.
0: Each one tries to take responsibility for the crimes. Um, arguing again when when they're trying to get down to the motive of like but why why did you do this why such a horrific thing the only argument they seem to give is like oh well she you know she was gonna hit me it was self-defense why
1: i just don't understand why don't they just it seems like they're still hiding something Mm -hmm. like it seems like they're I don't know. There's something else, just maybe it's something small and they don't even realize they're hiding it, but that would explain this.
0: Yeah. I think if they were really unwell, it could be something small, but that they think is big or even more shameful. I don't know. Right. They
1: can't think logically in this
0: scenario. No, I can't imagine what it is, but I agree. And as did others kind of paying attention to the trial at the time really felt that, that these two women are hiding something or there's something they're not sharing. Again, that's why the incest theory pops up so much is they are like, maybe it's this, but I don't know if that's like even a little bit accurate if they had reasons to think that, or if it's just like what's even more scandalous that we could tie into this case. You know what I mean? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And sadly, I don't think we'll ever know. But even though they were very united when it came to the trial, the sisters are placed in separate prisons. And in July of 1933, Christine experienced a, quote, fit, or an episode is what it was referred to, in which she tried to gouge her own eyes out and was yet again forced into a straitjacket.
1: Man, it sounds like almost sounds like like demonic possession or something. If I was inclined mm. to believe such things,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I I bet people were thinking that. I bet like probably like members of the church would yeah. have stepped in and been like, "Wait it's a second, demons here, yeah, <laughs> wait a second, wait, I can perform." It? I
1: don't know why I'm doing the transatlantic <laughs> accent. I just feel like everyone in the 30s and 40s spoke like that.
0: Everyone. In France, in Japan, in Kenya, everyone had transatlantic accents in the 1930s. I agree. In
1: Peru also. In Peru. Yeah.
0: That's just how everyone talked. Absolutely. So, after this incident, she tells the investigating magistrate, I don't know what that means, that one, (laughs) that- The detective? Yeah. The judge? The big guy in charge.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're right. might be judge. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That on the day of the murders, she says that she had a similar episode and um, that she thinks they're connected. So that episode where she was like, I'm going to gouge my own eyes out and was in a lot of distress. She says that's exactly what happened and how she felt before the crimes. And she thinks the two are connected. Right.
1: It sounds like it.
0: So it took the jurors 40 minutes of deliberation to determine their ruling. Andrew, what do you think they decided? Oh, wow, you're really
1: putting me on the spot here. Yes. Okay, I think they're guilt, they're they, I don't, okay. I think they chose them to be guilty. Guilty? Yes.
0: And not innocent by reason of insanity? Correct. You are correct. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) 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 I was gonna be like, yeah,
1: wait a minute, no. (laughs)
0: It's just, yeah. (laughs) I get what you mean. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that was a lot of emotion in a very short amount of time.
0: It it feels good to be right.
1: Yeah, it feels good to be right, but then I was like, oh, no. I don't feel good being right.
0: Yeah, it's a tragic case. Both sisters are found guilty. Oh, okay. But they're not given the same punishment. Oh. Christine is sentenced to death.
1: That's the older one.
0: And Leia... Who was viewed as being under the influence of her older sister was given a 10 year prison sentence with hard labor. Christine's sentence, however, is later commuted to life imprisonment instead of a death sentence. Okay. So while in prison, Christine showed acute signs of, quote, madness, which doesn't mean anything, that doesn't tell us anything, but that's the notes they had. <laughs> Great. And an intense longing for her sister. She became severely depressed and frequently would just not eat or drink water or anything. And before long, she was transferred to a mental asylum in Rennes, France, where she died of, quote, wasting away hmm. on May 18th, 1937. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. Leia Papin is released from prison in 1941.
1: Interesting timing there.
0: Yeah. Her sentence uh, was reduced to eight years because of good behavior. She then moves to the town of Nantes, where she's joined by her mother, which I think is really interesting.
1: Wow. I did not see that happening.
0: This woman who's been MIA the whole time just shows up and is like, can I live with you?
1: My eyes are rolling. Yeah.
0: And they, uh, Leia gets a job as a maid in a hotel, but she has her name changed so that's probably how she got the job yeah probably for you know smart move they didn't have background checks i imagine (laughs) they did not
1: have background (laughs) checks oh my god can you imagine
0: (laughs) oh yeah do you have any maid experience like let's see what what your previous employers have to say
1: weirdos this is actually part of my day job Um, i work in sales operations and i have to review background checks actually (laughs) for our field agents it's a long story it's it's not important um but I did ac- come across one and I'm I can't give out names obviously of course, yeah but there was one guy who 1991 was convicted of murder wow I'd never seen that before on a background check and I've seen I've literally reviewed thousands at this point thousands
0: oh yeah easily and in
1: 1991 you said 1991 so I wasn't even born yet
0: mm-hmm
1: but that was kind of crazy.
0: That's so wild. I was
1: like, "Wow!" I, I, I had to report it to my boss. I was like, "Hey, I,
0: I don't know what to do. I don't do even with know this. what to do
1: here. This is like we're in uncharted territory here. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I actually don't remember what we did.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. But okay. it
1: was like one record murder.
0: Yeah, that's a bad one to have. Yeah,
1: usually we w- look for like theft, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, but, not murder. That one threw me off. Not gonna lie.
0: Well. Luckily for Leia, you weren't there doing background checks. Yeah, not
1: with my (laughs) Hawkeye.
0: Yeah. So she just lives out the rest of her life kind of quietly in obscurity under a different name. I don't even know what the different name was. And she allegedly dies in 1982. But then it's questioned in 2000 by a French filmmaker named Claude 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 Ventura, like Ventura County. Um, uh, Ace Ventura. Or Ace Ventura Pet Detective, you're right. Ventura made a documentary film called Enquête de Sœurs Papin, In the Search of the Papin Sisters. Mm-hmm. He declared that Leia was actually still alive and that she was in hospice in France. They show this woman in the documentary and she is partly paralyzed as the result of a stroke and that's it like she's just shown in the film she doesn't say anything and then that leia dies in 2001 and to this day it's unknown if ventura was right like why he thought that was her or if she died in the 80s
1: we just so it's either she died in 01 or in 82 yeah. we don't know which one
0: isn't that weird that's
1: really weird like yeah. what what led this guy to believe that it was Leia.
0: I don't know, because that's not the documentary I watched. I guess if you were interested, you could watch the whole documentary and see what... I'm sure that's the premise, right? Of him being like, we thought she died in 82, but I found her.
1: And that's just the whole I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's really weird.
0: Yes. Well, the Papa sister's case continues to be studied in criminology and psychology for insights into the dynamics of family relationships, repressed emotions, and potential triggers that lead to extreme violence the murders of Madame Lancelot and her daughter are a really haunting case very infamous case in true crime it's still recognized apparently in France as one of the most brutal domestic murders and the murders had a significant influence on French intellectuals of the time such as Jean Genet, who was a French novelist and playwright, Jean-Paul Sartre, he's a very famous, actually, French philosopher. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, and Simone de Beauvoir, another French philosopher. They argued that this was symbolic of class struggle.
1: I knew someone (laughs) was going to bring that up. I knew there was going to be some sort of, like, class, like...
0: This like, was like a, an, lens. yes, an uprising against the bourgeoisie.
1: And I just, honestly, I think that's BS. <laughs> I may be like a little bit deep down, but it's a tertiary reason at most. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I think it's it's mental health and maybe, you know, just. Being, Abusive. You, yeah, abuse. Like if you're treated like crap, it doesn't matter if it's coming from above or below. Like you might just snap at some point.
0: And it's interesting that the case is never framed as the sisters having an abusive work environment, but I don't think that means that they didn't. I think it was seen as a very standard work environment for domestic servants, but I think the standard was just abusive, to be honest.
1: I, I agree completely.
0: Yeah, which, you know, makes sense. So the bourgeoisie argument sound silly to us but i will say during this time many countries are experiencing economic depression maybe not to the same degree as the u.s but it definitely affected france and it had people questioning like social and economic systems so whether or not it's pertinent i think it makes sense that the topic is even brought up right by these
1: philosophers i think it's fair to just like broach the subject acknowledge it acknowledge it yeah definitely Mm
0: mm-hmm so overall, as you can imagine, the case has left a lasting impression, and it's also influenced a lot of art.
1: Oh, as the tragedies often do.
0: As tragedies often do. One is The Maids, which is a play by Jean Genet, one of the philosophers I mentioned. And then there's a film, The Maids, based oh. on the play, <laughs> directed by Christopher Miles. And do you know then. know when year that came out? No, I'm sorry. I didn't put it in my notes. And then um, an episode of Law and Order, Criminal Intent,
1: Oh. titled
0: Tomorrow, is based on this. As well as, this is the big one, Parasite, the film oh. by Bong Joon-ho.
1: Yeah, the South Korean, like, incredible film.
0: Yes, he said that he was inspired by this case.
1: Wow. Okay, it sounded a little familiar, even though I had never heard of this case before. And that's probably why. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, that, that film, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like I could, 10 out of 10 movie.
0: Obviously, like, it's just so disturbing that it, like, seeps into your psyche. And I could see how it would inspire so much. There was way more. There's, like, books and more TV shows and episodes and movies and stuff. But these were, like, the big ones. Yeah. I could see how it's influenced so many people to explore something so dark to be honest
1: yeah agreed
0: and that my dear weirdos and dear andrew is the disturbing and i think heartbreaking case of the papa sisters
1: i agree you know what's something that's really interesting um i thought that to me it's fascinating that the elder sister died only a few years later but the younger one lived for decades
0: i know when it's it seemed like the elder sister was painted as kind of controlling the younger sister, but ultimately she appeared to be more dependent on her.
1: That's a very astute analysis.
0: <laughs> Thank you. It's like
1: the third time I've said this episode. <laughs> but no, it's true. I agree completely. I think she was the one that was dependent and yeah. I mean, obviously the younger sister could live and the I mean, wasting away.
0: Like I know exactly
1: what they mean by that. It's like Mm -hmm. obviously you can't die like that, but I mean inactivity due to depression maybe.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like when people say that someone dies of a broken heart. Yeah. Like that's not literally it, but it is the when you lose the will to live. And I think she lost the will to live without her sister.
1: And clearly your sister didn't feel the same way. Yeah. Oh (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) That was so mean. Oh my God.
0: Not you making fun of these old ghosts, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we wrap up for today. Sorry,
1: weirdos for my crassness.
0: I'm going to share my sources. Um, There's Murderpedia, CrimeWire, All That's Interesting, George Washington University, and the documentary that I mentioned is by Timeline World History. It was called The Horrific Crimes of the Papin Sisters. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Oh, very cool. It's a little cool. over an hour. I really liked it. I recommend. And then, of course, Wikipedia.
1: What would we be without Wikipedia?
0: Not here. Not podcasting. That's for sure.
1: I know. Especially at the beginning.
0: Yeah. And that's that's our story for this week.
1: Wow. Thank you. I had never heard of this before i am definitely enlightened by this um this was a weird one this was a crazy one this definitely goes down as one of the more brutal ones and one of the more intriguing ones yeah and that like we know what happened but we don't understand fully the why
0: yeah we don't i don't think we fully know actually what was going on in that home and in the minds of those
1: two sisters i mean the fact that the older one just absolutely lost it. It makes sense with the schizophrenia, right? But the younger one, mm-hmm. like that,
0: the concept of folia do, yeah,
1: that very one, interesting. That one's it's almost treating mental illness like a pathological illness or or biological. I'm sorry,
0: mm, like it's transmittable.
1: Exactly, like mm-hmm. a virus or bacteria or even fungal.
0: Yeah, that is kind of the concept behind it.
1: Yeah, strange, huh?
0: Very weird, guys. Tell us your thoughts, if you've ever heard of this case before, what you think. Over on Spotify, you can leave comments for the podcast.
1: Yes, exactly. Let us know. What do you think?
0: And then, of course, we always share pictures and behind-the-scenes stuff over on Instagram. So you're going to want to check us out on Instagram, at History for Weirdos. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to us
1: absolutely and i'll continue to grow the show exactly um, which means we can get even more weirdos into this amazing community yeah also just a little teaser nothing concrete yet guys but you should be on the lookout in the next like month or so we're gonna be having like kind of a big announcement so i'm just gonna say that and i'm just gonna leave it at that you guys are just gonna have to you know wait in anticipation
0: yes for the reason to keep up with us on social
1: yes exactly Well, weirdos, that is all we have for this week. And until next time. Until
0: next time, weirdos. Adios.